Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Emily, this is a, a social experiment for me. This is the first time that I've ever gone live. Let me turn this fan off. This is the first time I've ever gone live where um, I actually gave a warning beforehand. I usually just go live whenever I feel like it, but something told me to be more intentional. A couple of you, oh, you guys are coming in fast. A couple of you have been um, telling me, Blue, I wish I knew you were live. So I'm being more intentional about proactively letting you guys know. All right, so, oh, wait a minute. I just noticed something. I'm literally wearing a shirt of a girl wearing my shirt of a girl. What the hell? What in the inception? Y'all, I didn't plan this, but I'm just distracted right now. I just realized that the way that I look and the way the girl on my t-shirt looks, I'm even wearing the same shorts. That's weird. Anyways, guys, um, I'm going live today because a lot has been going on. And for those of you who are day ones, you know me from like 2010, 14, even earlier than that. You know that my career has mostly been be being a cultural critic. And as a cultural critic who has since retired to some degree, uh, the last week has been a lot. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to be honest with you up front. I know you all know what I'm going to be talking about because the airwaves, aside from talking about Threads and Zuck versus Elon, we've all been singularly talking about one pop culture topic for the majority of this week. I was not going to touch this topic. I'm going to be real with you because you guys know I live in LA and the industry is very small and there's one degree of separation between me and all the parties involved in the now infamous but you a mom Kiki Palmer Darius debacle. And I was not going to talk about it because um about wow, 15, maybe 16 people I know work with her, know her, love her, are friends with her. And I also have friends who know him and love him as well. And so I don't have the luxury of taking the whole, fuck that nigga, he ain't shit. I don't have the luxury of taking that stance um, and dehumanizing either of them because it would hurt people that I actively love and care about. I'm looking at the chat right now. You guys, you guys are talking in the chat and I'm gonna do my best to see what you're saying, but I wanna stay focused on the topic. So because of the small degree of separation between me and the parties involved, when I saw what was happening on social media, my first reaction was not to go to Twitter or to Threads, shout out to Threads, the most addictive app since sliced bread. My, my first reaction was not to go to Twitter or Threads or even Instagram and talk about it. I literally picked up the phone as soon as this happened and called some mutual friends on both sides. I called mutual friends of hers and said, hey, if you have the bandwidth, check on her, because this is a lot. And I called on mutual friends of his and was like, yo, you might want to talk to your boy. Like, what was he thinking, right? Because I felt so sad because I know what it's like when your relationship is going through ups and downs in a public arena. Maybe not as public as this, but in a public arena. Even if you guys work through it, the public never forgets. And so I was hoping... This is past tense. I was hoping earlier in the week that the tribe could kind of hold them up and help them work through this and take it off the internet streets. Unfortunately, uh, the tweets kept happening. And people started unfollowing each other. Things got messy. Uh, Kiki was doing dances about, I'm about to link up. And it just, it, it now it's an international topic, unfortunately. And I say unfortunately, guys, because can we all just remember there's a baby and a new mother involved. Regardless of what you think of this young man, which is what he is, regardless of what you think about him, there is a baby and a new mom involved. And anything we say about him directly and or indirectly impacts them. 
right? No matter how mad you are at your partner, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel good watching millions of people tear down the man that you loved and, and try to start a family with. And it's not going to feel good when their son, Leo, hears about this later in life, right? And so I just want you guys to remember that as juicy as this topic is, and as triggered, understandably triggered, as so many of you were, there are real people who are involved in the situation and a real tribe of people who love them who are also being hurt by this, right? So there's a mindfulness to this that I had to just like, ooh, let me not say nothing. Now I'm going to explain to you what made me decide to do this live today. I was scrolling on threads. Again, shout out to threads, the most um, addictive app I have been on in a long time. And for those of you who are like, Blue, I can't believe you're on threads. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is the devil. Shout out to my friend Carla, who pointed that out, right? Because Zuck, Zuck is not, doesn't have clean hands. My personal stance is I'm already on Instagram and Facebook. So if I'm already on Instagram and Facebook, what do I get from now also being on threads? That's my personal stance on threads it's that like if i'm already in lex luther's house sitting in his living room in his kitchen why would i suddenly not want to go to the bumping ass party that's happening in the basement right so we get to pick and choose our activism my activism personally i don't see the point of boycotting threads and not taking part in the big fun when i'm already in his house anyways that's my, my take on it so i was on threads today and somebody posted yo if you ever humiliated me publicly if you ever publicly humiliated me, I would probably end it immediately. And even if I loved you, I'd probably never take you back. And a couple of people in the comments of that were like, oh my God, that's so unevolved. That's so, that's so rash. That's so bad. That's, that's so drastic. And I think because I'm an emotional intelligence coach, yes, I mention this all the time because I want you guys to have context around why I'm so belayered and nuanced in the way that I talk about stuff. People, I think, expected me to be appalled, but I actually agree with that sentiment. And I wanted to unpack the reason why public humiliation, for me, I cannot talk about anybody else, for me, once you humiliate me publicly and intentionally, because, you know, you can't accidentally tweet, guys. You, got, you have to be intentional about tweeting. Hi, guys. Hi to everybody who's saying hello to me. Once you intentionally publicly humiliate me, that is my line. It's my line. And I want you to know that that's an emotional intelligence stance. Some of you might take that stance from a place of pain. I actually am taking that stance from a place of health. And I want to explain to you how to take that stance from a place of healthiness. I've said this a million times because you guys know I love to be redundant and consistent. When someone cannot manipulate you and cannot rob you of your self-esteem, of your power, of your free agency, when they realize that their warped perception that if you love me, I should be able to control you, isn't working on you, no matter how sweet or angry they are, because those are two extremes that are often used. People will even will often try to uh, fawn over you to get you to do what they want, or they'll try to control you. Both are damaging, right? But when someone has tried every tactic to control you and or diminish you, and it doesn't work. The thing they always pivot to next is trying to control the way others see you. I want you to pause with that for a second. When someone cannot control or diminish you, the next step is to always try to diminish or control the way others see you. And that is why public humiliation is not just a personal grievance. It's an emotional safety issue. Good people can still not know how to keep you safe. The minute that tweet went out, she was unsafe with him. Okay? And I want you guys to understand this. Why is it so unsafe? It's because I'm trying to find other people to join my ranks I could not diminish you on my own. I could not control you on my own. I could not shame you on my own. And so I'm going to find a way to package what you've made me feel as if I am a victim and use virtual sing signaling. You guys, virtual signaling when you're trying to be self-righteous or trying to say, well, a good mom, 
a good so-and-so wouldn't do this. I am literally covering my resentment. And guys, that's what's at the core of this. I'm covering my resentment and self-righteousness and feeding it to the public so they can help me bully you out of the abundant person that you are that is triggering me. If I can't make you small, I'm going to use Twitter and Instagram and black toxic masculine toxicity and massage noir and patriarchy and respectability politics and the shade room and threads and Twitter. I'm going to use the entirety of what my Wi-Fi can connect to to diminish you because I couldn't do it on my own. That is why it's a deal breaker for me. Because when you get to the point that you haven't made peace with my bigness and my abundance. And we guys, we all know Kiki is abundant. When you get to the point where my abundance has irked your demons so bad. And that you quietly resent me so bad. That you need a few, a dozen, a couple hundred or a couple million people. To help you drag me down by my ankles to your level. That is called malice, guys. The reason why public humiliation... The reason why it's okay to make public humiliation a line in the, in the sand is because it is steeped in malice that is coming from unresolved resentment that comes from inferiority. People who feel small often make themselves feel better by thinking, okay, well, I might not be the star of the show. I might not be the main character, but the main character or the star of the show likes to listen to me. A lot of folks who do not feel big in their own right like to stand next to those who feel big and like to tell themselves, well, at least the person that everybody else is clapping for listens to me. I have an impact, right? And we all know that impact is a powerful currency. Impact has never been more powerful of a currency as it has become in the last 10, 15 years because of social media. Social media has commodified impact so much that being an influencer, literally having the ability to have impact is now a full-time job. That's how much social media has commodified impact. And so when someone who feels small realizes that they cannot love on you, put a baby on you, blow your back out, tell you you're beautiful, they cannot grease you up enough to have an impact because no matter how much you love them, you still understand that you have a right to your autonomy. When someone who does not feel like they are enough also realizes that they, ca they cannot manipulate you, they start to resent you for having an autonomy and a self-esteem that they could only wish to have. And then they can either be inspired by you or they can try to rob you of it. It breaks my heart that that young brother did not have someone around to proactively help him through the understandable discomfort that comes from being a hit cis hetero man who is dating a woman who is as big as Kiki. My heart hurts for him, right? So I'm not going to say fuck him. I am going to say he's unsafe. I can love you, be compassionate with you, even empathize with what got you to where you are while recognizing that you are unsafe. And I need you guys to know that whether Kiki goes back to him or not, what she did, somebody was like, wow, she got rid of him in like a day? She must not have loved him. No, 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 no. That's not true. I personally went through a platonic version of what she's going through now. I have a big personality. And up until two or three years ago, I was not diagnosed as being neurodivergent. So the fact that I am so direct and straightforward and blunt and factual was often mistaken as me being rude and not me being autistic, right? So because I have a big personality and I know that my brain works like a little, a, a little computer, I'm the kind of person where if you do something that is trying to be emotionally manipulative, my brain naturally spits it out. Like, why are you doing that? You're being factually inaccurate and saying something mean-spirited. Why? Like emotional manipulation does not work on me 
the way that it works on people who are neurotypical because my brain is so fact-based and emotional manipulation is illogical by design, right? So this is not me being better than anybody or more woke than anybody. I just so happen to be the kind of autistic that compete game on shit like that. So because I'm someone who's very hard to emotionally manipulate, for much of my life, people who I love, 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 no asterisks, have felt resentment towards me because they thought that if I loved them back, they should be able to have an impact on my self-esteem. And my sense has always been, oh, wow, that really hurt my feelings. I'm still dope, though. Like, no matter what you do to me, no matter what you say about me, no matter how many people you convince not to like me, there's no part of my brain that tells me that I'm not amazing. And people who constantly ingest shame, who constantly are impacted by others, who can easily be diminished by their circumstances, understandably resent me for that. I'm not even confused as to why people who can't stand me can't stand me. I get it. If I was you, I wouldn't like me either, right? And so what happened a lot of times in my life is I would have friendships with folks who I adored and they adored me back until they realized they couldn't do shit to impact the way that I see myself. And then quietly resentment started to come up because why does blue get to like be like that? Why do you get to like yourself all the time? I don't. Why do you get to still bounce back no matter what happens to you? I don't. Hold on, let me read a comment. Someone named Candace just wrote, I can understand him feeling uncomfortable with her being on that sheer dress with the thong hugging on Usher and flirting, but he should discuss that with her. Him posting was passive aggressive. Exactly, guys. For those of you who are focused on the dress, I need you to understand that you are out of your element. If you think this is about a dress, you are, you, you are too deep into the pool. Go back to the shallow end. This was never about a dress. If it was sincerely a grown man being uncomfortable about a dress, he would have used her phone number. This was never about a dress. This was about a passive-aggressive attempt to control her using us and all the men and pickmies of the internet to help him. Mind you, he might not even know that. The thing about resentment, guys, the thing about unresolved trauma, the thing about being disempowered is we lie to ourselves first before we lie to anybody else. He might have sincerely convinced himself this was about a dress. But I'm going to tell you at my big age, it was not about a fucking dress. Okay? It's not. It's not. It was never about the dress. And if you think this is about a dress, this might not be the lie for you. We're talking way above your pay grade right now. So, when someone feels disempowered... This is how they act. And I am used to unintentionally, much like Kiki. Kiki has a big personality. I have a big personality. A lot of people have big personalities. You who can relate to that will understand this, right? No matter how compassionate you are, because Kiki is compassionate with a big personality. One thing that has come out through us having so many mutual friends is they love her. Her heart is big in real life. That is not an act. The folks who I know who share space with her, and it's many, it's more than one. So if one of you all in here, I'm not just talking about you, right? The face that I know, that's people that I know that, that share space with her and with them will tell you she has a big heart, a big personality. She's funny. She's crazy talented. She's talented up to the point where it almost feels like a learning disability. Like, how are you that talented but trying to have regular conversation, right? And when you are that obnoxiously abundant, very few people can partner with you or be best friends with you without having to look at themselves like, why do you have so much extra? I'm barely making it. And so for me, for 24 years, I had a best friend who I love, 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 love. I would take a bullet for this man. I would hide a body for this man. He was my person, right? In lieu of my father, I wanted him to be the one walking me down the aisle. And he had a lot of mental health issues that he was dealing with, one of which that I personally believe was paranoia. And so he would often perceive that people were out to get him or that people were trying to be shady towards him in moments where that wasn't objectively the case. I never once judged him for this because I understood that I was equipped to help him unpack those things. And so we spent 20 plus years of me spending hours on the phone with him saying, hey, 
How about you have a courageous conversation with this person rather than assuming your feelings are facts? You ingest shame very easily. Just because you feel shamed doesn't mean someone has intentionally shamed you. Let's have a conversation with them and circle back before we say that they're out to get you. And nine times out of 10 for 20 plus years, this person would come back and say, Blue, thank you for talking me off the ledge. You're right. I had a conversation with that person and my assumptions, even though the way that I felt is valid, I was a little bit off. I assumed ill intent where there was none. And for me as a coach, right? I'm thinking, you're my patient zero. All these people that I help, by the way, guys, this is not a flex. I have helped thousands of people in the past 20 years. I did the math recently because I was just curious. Thousands, not hundreds, thousands of people have directly and or indirectly, mostly directly, come in contact with me for counsel, for readings, for all types of support as far as their self-efficacy. And I always said he was my patient zero. Loving on him and watching the depth of his dysfunction and never once feeling an ounce of judgment towards it. That's what gave me the ability to do the work that I do now for my clients, right? And so I always, instead of judging him, said, you're accredited, you're the one who softened my heart. And because he softened my heart, I always saw him as my first success. Here's the problem, guys. When you love somebody fanatically and deeply, in the same way that Kiki loved her man so deeply, she went on Twitter the day before this happened and said, I hate to be that girl, but I love my man. I know what it's like when you are a big personality who is being as compassionate as humanly possible so as not to scare off people around you, so as not to make them feel diminished around you. And you find someone who you think sees past the bigness of your talent, your personality, and sees your heart. When that connection happens, the loyalty that you feel for them is steeped in relief. I finally found somebody that I could be big and bad with, and they still see my heart first. That's why she posted that thing on the fourth, guys. She was so happy that she had this new glow about her, this gorgeous baby, and a sweet, kind man who wasn't scared off by her bigness. That's how I felt with my bestie. But here's the problem. And the reason why I'm telling you the story of my bestie and Kiki's relationship is because I want you to understand whether it's platonic or romantic, the mechanics of this are still the same, right? So when that happened to me, what I did not realize was I was developing a blind spot. The thing about relief is when you are relieved to find someone who is not scared by your bigness, that relief comes from a place of lack. Because you quietly are thinking, damn, I'm abundant and my life is abundant. But the number of people who can rock with this is few and far in between. That is scarcity. And that little bit of scarcity in the midst of the abundance now has an incentive to turn a blind eye anytime the mask slips off. So for 24 years, I would see these moments of the mask slipping off and I would go blind to it. I see it now in retrospect, after the fact. These little moments of, ooh, you're insecure in a way that feels like it's pointing towards me. Or, ooh, wait a minute, you call me your best friend and you also call her one of your best friends. And the way that you were quick to jump to ugly conclusions about her, are you doing that about me when you're talking to somebody else? I made it a point to d diminish those points. Like, no, 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 I'm different. He might've been unfair or acting inferior or insecure around this person. But no, no, I'm different, right? That's ego, guys. That's ego. The thing that this person is doing to 99% of the population, I'm different though because I'm the bestie. And guess what happened, guys? We got to the point in our relationship where you know when you're really close to somebody and you get to the point where you can intuit their feelings? Whenever I would be going through something and he would give his opinion about what he thought was going on with me, he was always wrong. His assumptions like, oh, maybe I feel like you're doing this because of this. Whenever he would say that, his assumption, his gut instinct was something that was much more malicious, insecure, mean-spirited, and judgmental than how I naturally am. And I remember one day thinking, you're my best friend. Why are your instincts always so far off lately? Like the things that you're assuming, 
the places that you're assuming that I'm operating from are much more low vibrational than where I currently am. What you're saying right now would have been accurate 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I would have done what you're saying for that reason. But did you miss all the growth? And I started to be confused. Like, well, maybe he's just going through something. Again, blind spot, right? Maybe the fact that my closest friend in the world keeps assuming a sinister mindset that I no longer am in possession of. Maybe that's just me witnessing him going through another mental breakdown. Let me just support him and love him through that. And that's the thing, guys. When you convince yourself that your bigness has found somebody sweet who can see past it to see your heart, you start to think that more love, just throwing more love and compassion at this person will be like salve on the wounds of their insecurity. If I love you just a little bit harder than usual, maybe you'll remember who the fuck I am. If I point out all the ways that I've, I'm not judging you, that you're clearly judging yourself and projecting onto me, maybe you'll realize that you're shadow boxing and fighting with yourself and I'm not the one who sees you that way. I once wrote a, uh, a, a bit of prose where I said, I wish he could see me. I, no, I said, I, I wish he could see himself through my eyes because he would see wings where he currently sees scars. All the parts of this man, my close, close friend that I loved and wanted to kiss his boo-boos were the very things that he judged and felt insecure about. And I deeply, deeply believe that if we really, really, really hypnotized Kiki and asked her, she probably could relate to this. She probably did a million things behind the scenes to make this man feel like, no, you are deserving of this love. You deserve to be standing next to me. I'm starting a whole network. Let's do a show together, babe. I've done that before. You guys might not know, but Blue Centric used to be a production company. I ran a production company in D.C., a grassroots BIPOC production company for five years. And every time I was dating or friends with someone who felt insecure, I would hire them to help them find their purpose. So I was sitting in a blind spot and giving them gifts and showering them with more of my abundance and unintentionally incentivizing them to continue to show their ass. I feel very comfortable, very comfortable thinking that if one of our mutual friends ever showed this to Kiki, quietly she would admit to herself that she can relate to this, right? My podcast, please check it out. It's called Humanize a Blue Toulousma. I'm humanizing this story because so many of you have kept it shallow and stayed at the top of it. Or so many of you are speaking from a place of anger and pain. I want to humanize what happened to this young lady this week. And what also happened to the man who might love her, but who was ill-equipped to keep her emotionally safe. Okay, I'm humanizing it. Because these are human beings, guys. Two young kids in love with a new baby. Hold on for a second. I think my battery might be dying. Hold on. Hold on. Is my battery dying? Of all the times for my battery to die, this would not be it. Okay, fixed it. Um, Hold on. There we go. You guys, my charger's acting funky. Anyways, so in this friendship that I had, I had a blind spot and I made excuses. And when I realized my friend was not great um, at gauging who I was anymore, and that the calibration that we had spent 20 years um, working on um, had somehow dissipated, guess what I did? I did what Kiki did. I gave him a job. I was, at the time, running the entire podcast department at a very popular black media company. And as the person who was running the company, I mean, running the department, um, it was my job to hire, fire, recruit, and get a team together to get this podcast network off the ground. Those of you who know my, my history, you know exactly what the company is, but I won't say it. And as the person who started this podcast network, um, we had some engineers and producers who just were not cutting, making the mark. They weren't, they weren't cutting it. And when we let some of them go, I said, what great technical producers do I know? And I was like, oh, I know one. My bestie. He's, br he's brilliant at this. He's objectively brilliant at this. And so I hired him thinking, I'm going to hire you to do something that you're actually good at. This is not a hookup. It's not nepotism. You're actually good at this. So I'm going to empower you to lean into your strengths. And maybe now that you have all this extra money coming in, now that you're part of a team, now that you're in a position of leadership, maybe the 
self-esteem that comes from that will help you recalibrate. I thought I was doing something to be of service. And guess what I found out, guys? I later found out that I let this person into my department, let him meet all of my team members who I had spent months training. And unbeknownst to me, he had somehow convinced himself that I had embarrassed him in a meeting. I didn't. He was not embarrassed in the meeting, guys. Nothing, nothing weird happened in that meeting. But he convinced himself that I had embarrassed him in the meeting. And he used the contacts to call up every single person on the team that I had invited him to be a part of to talk shit about me. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Imagine what it's like to spend two years building a department, two years laying the ground, down the, the groundwork for what is now an actual network. And you invite your oldest, closest friend to take part in it, thinking that you'll empower him while he's giving you support. It'll be mutually beneficial. And instead of being grateful, instead of coming back to love, he used that access to malign me to my team. And what's wild is when we talked about it on the phone, he said, don't you think it's crazy that nobody likes working with you? It can't possibly just be me. Pause, you hear that? He could not rob me of my joy, my self-esteem, or my self-worth on his own. So he tried to use the team that I had personally built and tried to weaponize them against me. He tried to humiliate me in public so he could get other people and manipulate other people's perception of me in an attempt to rob me of what he couldn't do on his own. Does this sound familiar, guys? Unfortunately for him, though, that very same week, every single member of my team, except for one girl, had hit me up and said, Hey, Blue, I just need you to know, I have never worked in a space that was this emotionally safe. You are probably one of the best bosses I've ever had. I've had many production jobs and you are probably one of the best bosses I've ever had. One of the folks who said this to me was somebody who I had personal beef with. Because I hired a couple of my friends who were very talented. I'm surrounded by talented people. Anybody who follows me knows that. I had hired another friend to work with me who I had a personal problem with. And despite us having a personal problem, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in production, it never came up. And you could tell I was fucking with him. He was like, yo, me and Blue got beef. Not only is she being a great boss to me, she just gave me a raise. I gave you a raise because you're doing an exceptional job. You're a shitty friend right now, but you're doing an exceptional job. So literally someone else who had beef with me thanked me for being a good boss. Everybody else thanked me for being a good boss. My best friend of 24 years told me, nobody likes working with you. And I said to him, number one, that would have worked on me 20 years ago. I'm stunned that you think that would still work on me now. Number two, you're a grown ass man. Don't speak for other people, speak for yourself. He freaked out because he was shocked that my self-esteem had stabilized so well that even the threat that nobody liked working with me was completely ineffective. And I said, but pause though. What you just tried to do was make me feel like shit and make me feel unlovable and make me feel that nobody enjoys my company. 
It did not work. Because I'm thriving. Because the opposite is true. However, the fact that you wanted to make me feel like shit. The fact that you wanted to make me feel unlovable. The fact that you wanted to make me feel small. That is my issue. The fact that I let you in close. And to the thing that I love, you guys know I love production. I love the arts. I love mental health. I am someone who just, the creative realm literally makes me giddy. I could not do anything but this work, right? The fact that I get paid to do it is God, but I love this work. And what's sad is, this is somebody who had known me since I was 12 years old. Somebody who was my biggest cheerleader when I was insecure. My biggest cheerleader when I was trying to get in the industry. The person who, every time we went out and met somebody of notoriety, would say, this is my friend Blue, she's an amazing writer. He helped me get my first writing job. When I didn't have shit, when I felt like nobody, you were my biggest cheerleader. And now that I have become self-actualized and become my full self, instead of clapping, you're giving me the side, side eye. Be careful, guys. A lot of times we think those of, of us who have a day one, not all, all your day ones need to be day twos. Sometimes people are clapping for you and they love you because you are right next to them. But if you shoot out ahead of them, that's where resentment often comes from. Does that make sense, guys? And so I listened to everything he said. He told me his justification. Um, I also recognized that certain friends who had not worked with me, who I had met through him, had stopped talking to me and taking my calls. People who he would talk shit about, that I would say, hey, you're being unfair. Go talk to her. And my phone is going out. People who he would talk shit about, who I had convinced him to be fair towards, and who I had then become friends with, were suddenly not taking my calls anymore because unlike the people who worked with me who saw me every day, they still were believing that he was being just and true. And they actually believed him. And suddenly, you guys know what, what confirmation bias is. Once somebody tells you, oh, this person is rude, this person is fake, this person is delusional. Once somebody you trust tells you that, everything they do is seen through that lens and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So all the vulnerable moments that I was sharing with these folks that I met through him, that I thought were safe, were actually being weaponized and used as false equivalencies to prove that I wasn't who I said I was. Mind you, these are the same folks who were only cool with him because I talked him out of talking shit about them. You see the irony in that? Like, y'all are only cool with him because of me, but now I'm the public enemy number one? I slept on it after we had that conversation. And the next morning wrote him a four-page letter, shout out to Aaliyah, saying, hey, I'm about to end this friendship right now. That one conversation was a deal breaker for me. I know it's been about 25 years, but someone who I show the softest parts of myself and uses it to be malicious and to try to rob me of the peace that you watched me fight so hard to attain. You are not safe. You have not been safe to others and I've always been the one to talk you out of it. Unfortunately for me though, I didn't have someone to talk you out of maligning me. You're not safe. I have to end this friendship. And I said, you know what? You can still keep your job though. You deserve the raise I gave you. You deserve the position I gave you. You can still keep it. And his response was, I quit. When he was confronted with compassionate accountability, he simply quit. And so for those of you who were like, why did Kiki post that video? And why did they unfollow each other? I need you to understand guys, when you have given your all and your best and overextended grace for a very, very long time, and you realize that the resentment that somebody has against you is not going anywhere, that is an excellent, excellent time to cut your losses. I don't think if they broke up, I don't think it's drastic. I don't think it's too fast. I think he has some healing to do. And her responsibility is to keep her and her baby safe. And if attachment masquerading as love 
seeps into her bones and she takes them back. That simply means she still has more to learn. And I won't judge that either. Does that make sense, guys? I hope you guys understand. People who cannot control you, the next best thing is to control how others see you. I don't think it's weird or a coincidence that someone who's been America's sweetheart for decades got an uptick in adoration, an uptick in love. We had loved her before, but the love for Kiki has been so like stratospheric in the last month and a half since she had their child. If he had unhealed demons of resentment about her bigness, how do you think he felt when we doubled her bigness that quickly? Think about it. It was inevitable. People are like, why would he do this now? It makes all the sense in the world that he's doing this now. Like, wait a minute. I already felt diminished when I was with you previously. And now you just got 10 times bigger since you popped up my son. Are you serious? Our kid actually helped you get further ahead of me. Are you kidding me? When you compassionately look at it from the, the lens of scarcity versus the lens of abundance and realize that really abundant people will always, always offend those who are operating from scarcity, this then becomes inevitable. It's inevitable that this happened. I think it's sad that it was done publicly, right? Had it been done privately, then the malice would not have reached its full form. Someone said, somebody said he can't handle that. She's been ahead. Yes, um, um, Tiffany, he's been, she's been ahead, but she's much further out. She went from being 10 yards ahead to being 30 yards ahead. Her social currency. Remember we talked about earlier in this, in this live about how impact is currency. Perfect example. One of my friends, shout out to my friend Brittany. I hope she's, I think I, I saw her name in here. Brittany, if you're in here, I love you. Brittany wrote a, did a really brilliant uh, video on her IG stories recently where she talked about how she's a working actress and how she might not be a household name, but she stays booked, okay? Just like Kiki, she stays booked. And how a lot of people need to realize that if you really want to make it in this industry, being a working actor is actually what success looks like. The optics of being a megastar might make people feel good as far as their egos, but you guys, there's a lot of megastars who are sleeping on people's couches. There's a lot of megastars who are living above their means and can't pay their mortgage. There are a lot of megastars who ain't got no money or who are way, way, way into debt, okay? That's optics. There's a reason why rich and famous are two different words. So she had money and she had fame. But her impact, that third currency, it has undeniably and objectively grown over the last year. Here's the thing, guys. If you meet somebody and you're dating them, this is the trick I learned a long time ago about figuring out if you're both in an abundant mindset. Ask yourself, if I got a billion dollars tomorrow, would I still want to be with them? And if I got a billion dollars tomorrow, would they still be able to keep me safe? Oh, I see you. Hey, Brittany, I love you. Think about it. If you're in a relationship right now with somebody and you fear that what I'm talking about today might in some way resonate, if you were to get a billion dollars tomorrow, for some reason somebody mistook you for Mark Zuckerberg and a billion dollars should open your bank account, number one, would you still want to be with them? And number two, would you still be safe with them? I have a lot of people who I know and love who the answer would be no in one, if not both directions, right? Someone unfortunately pointed out something to me is patriarchy. Let's talk about patriarchy for a second. I saw a post uh, today on Threads. Again, shout out to Threads. I feel like Threads should put me in the payroll. I think I've given them eight shout outs today. I saw a, um, a post, I'm calling it Instagram, I guess a thread. I saw a thread on Threads today. We need to figure out the language, guys. Whereas a, a young lady who I really respect and who I think is brilliant posted... Women don't dress for women. Women dress for each other. And I had to step in and be like, yeah, that's cap. I said, sis, you don't understand the mechanics of patriarchy. Women dress for and compete with each other for approval based on metrics that are created by patriarchy. Women did not create those metrics. 
And the beauty of patriarchy creating those metrics is when a woman is competing with other women to look good based on what patriarchy has told all of us is what beauty is. And then she meets a man who does not want her to do any of those things. She conflates a single nigga with the system. Just because your man don't like lashes doesn't mean women came up with lashes are a big deal. Just because your man don't like BBLs doesn't mean that it's women who created BBLs. The system of patriarchy creates perfectionistic white supremacists, heteronormative metrics for us, right? And then disseminates them so widely that we then become the ones who carry them on. So no, women don't dress for women. Women dress for patriarchy and women didn't create that. In the same way, people say, well, y'all talk about racism, but niggas be met, black people are worse to black people than white people are. That's because white people have the luxury of being nice to you guys. They're, they're already at the top of the food chain. White supremacy teaches people of color to fight amongst themselves while being distracted from actually being mad at the person who threw the rock. So yes, we tend to be the ones who carry on the propaganda that we've been spoon-fed since we were children. So no, women do not dress for women. Women dress for patriarchy. Black people are not just naturally and randomly mean to each other. Stop saying that shit, y'all. Every time one of you writes a post like that, was well, you know, y'all talk about racism, but it's really the niggas that are the problem. No, the niggas are not the problem. White supremacy is the problem. We are talking about, you know, misogyny, but it's really women who hate other, other women. Why do you think women are operating from a place of scarcity where they feel like they have to compete with each other? Are you serious? I need y'all to stop saying this shit. Pro tip, anytime you are about to open up your mouth and explain why a marginalized group is to blame for why they are marginalized, I need you to stop talking. You are a harbinger of propaganda, guys. Stop saying that stuff. Stop blaming women for misogyny. Do women carry on misogyny? Absolutely. There are plenty of women who hate women. There are plenty of black people who hate black people. There are plenty of Asian people who hate Asian people and who would never want to date another Asian person. Those things exist and they do need to take responsibility for their self-loathing. But do not ever complete conflate self-loathing for the system that created the metrics that made us loathe ourselves. I need you guys to be more intelligent. And someone said, that's why I hate the term black on black crime. Um, Noma, you must be new here because every live I do, I mention at least in some way that black on black crime doesn't exist. All human beings kill their own the most. White people kill white people at the exact same rate that black people kill black people. Asian people kill Asian people. Kill Asian people. Gay people kill, like, it's... We always kill our own the most. It's human nature based on proximity and familiarity to kill your own. The reason why black on black crime was created to make us feel that we are pathologically more violent and damaged than other people. It's not a real term. You know what is a real term? Black on black love. I would love black on black love to replace black on black crime because that's real. That's not propaganda, right? That's part of our healing. So shout out to the person who said that. Humans kill other humans who they feel familiarity with or who they just have access to. Black people are not more pathologically predisposed to violence, guys. That is more propaganda. In fact, in fact, history has shown that black people are mind-numbingly, mind-numbingly forgiving. Someone gets shot by a cop and all it takes is Officer Wendell going to an inner city school and doing the Dougie and suddenly he's invited to the proverbial cookout. White folks don't even have cookouts to invite us to, guys. The way white supremacy has worked is we are so tired of being othered, we're looking for any flimsy excuse to invite people to play with us. If you went to a white supremacist neighborhood and killed one of their own, there's no dance on this world that you could do. That would make them forget that, right? But trauma, trauma bonding, and you guys know that you often use that word incorrectly. Tra trauma bonding, what it really means is when you are connected to and feel some kind of kinship to the very group that's abusing you. So when you go to the bathroom at a club 
and you're putting on your lipstick and another girl stands next to you and you're both talking about how horrible your boyfriends are, that is not trauma bonding. You guys use that term incorrectly all the time. Trauma bonding can only happen with your abuser. The real trauma bonding is inviting every white person you know to the cookout based on really flimsy reasons because you want so badly to be accepted by them. That's what's fucking trauma bonding. And again, shout out to my white friends who hear this shit all the time and recognize that they have the ability to decenter themselves and help out. The beauty about telling the fucking truth is I don't have to code switch. I have a lot of male friends and I talk about misogyny. I have a lot of white friends and I talk about white supremacy. I don't ever have to code switch the truth because if you can't hear the truth from the compassionate heart that I've worked so hard to feed, then you didn't want to hear it at all. Okay. So guys, I hope we've done a lot of learning today. Um, I shared a very personal story and I intentionally shared that personal story so that you guys can understand the mechanics of how both Kiki and Darius got where they are. For those of you who are, um, coming in late and who missed the story in the beginning. I apologize for that. I'm going to try to save this live because my phone was dying. There might be a glitch. The audio might not sync up with the words perfectly and that's okay, right? Um, if you hear the audio, that's enough. I want you to understand anytime that someone tries to publicly malign you, that is them attempting to get a bunch of strangers and people in your tribe and your community to help them bully you into diminishing your value and your self-esteem. That is why public humiliation is a deal breaker for me and many healthy people. There are unhealthy people in this world who also feel the same way for reasons that are less healthy. I've just given y'all a way to make it healthy. Okay? I've just given y'all a way to make it healthy. Um, for anybody who I saw some people right in here that they were asking about the workshop, my uh, emotional intelligence workshop, guys, this is where I literally spent eight weeks teaching how to unpack things the way I just unpacked things in this live. My emotional intelligence workshop is called On Thy Shift. The uh, registration link is fall23.eventbrite.com. Actually, let me write it now. I'm going to pin it for you guys before I leave. And the reason why I'm telling you about this is because I feel like um, what happened this week showed me just how emotionally unintelligent the general public is. And I don't say that as a, like a judgment either. I said that kind of, kind of matter of factly. Um, ignorance just comes from not having access to, to resources. You don't know what you don't know. And a lot of you have been unpacking this incident from a place of unresolved pain rather than seeing the opportunity to humanize all parties involved. Hold on, let me see if I'm doing this correctly. I just posted it. All right, I just pinned the comment. So fall23.eventbrite.com, um, we kick off in September. It's only eight weeks. And for eight weeks, we do what we're doing right now. We get on Zoom. We get our, perf our, our favorite libations, whether it's a cocktail or some tea or whatever. And for two and a half hours, as a group, we unpack these popular topics. And as a group, we talk about how do we get ourselves to a place where we stop lashing out at people from a place of trauma. To be perfectly honest with you guys, in a perfect world, I would love if Darius could take my course. If y'all gave me two, two months with that young man, I could show him the error of his ways and also give him the tools to figure out how to deal with being in relation with someone who shines as bright as the sun. It breaks my heart that people, men in particular, are not equipped with these skills. And I'm going to tell you this, guys. This is how deep my compassion has now become because compassion is a muscle. In the same way, if you see an Olympian workout, their version of being in maintenance mode is still considered superhuman. Emotional intelligence is also a muscle. I have been working on this for 20 years and that's why even in moments where I am personally hurt, I can still show compassion and grace to others. I wish that muscle was cultivated in all of us. I wish it was something that's taught in school and I didn't have to do a fucking workshop to teach you these basic skills that we all need as people. So my compassion tends to go towards those who have been I don't, I don't want to use the word disabled, but for lack of a better word, people are disabled by privilege, guys. We often don't talk about this. Men are disabled by misogyny. White people are disabled by white supremacy. It's true. Because when you are in a, a misogynist world, even though you are privileged, from that place of privilege, you have glaring blind spots that stop you from being able to empathize from those below you. Right. Women are socialized to be seen as emotional. 
And men are socialized to be seen as rational. In fact, shout out to my friend Rosa. I love Rosa. I hope she sees this. I went to a barbecue at her house for the 4th of July. And one of her friends was like, well, you know, men are rational and women are emotional. It's a fact. And I said, I disagree with that. He's like, no, what do you mean you disagree? I said, I disagree that men are naturally rational and women are naturally emotional. I think men are naturally, naturally inclined to pretend to be rational because society won't let them be anything else. I think women are naturally naturally inclined to act emotional because society tells them that's their place when you really strip away all, all the propaganda a lot of men and women that i talk to are equals and sometimes because men have not had an opportunity to really be emotional intelligent and deal with their feelings they're actually less rational than a lot of women they're actually more emotional than a lot of women not because they are stupid but because they have to hold their feelings in so much that their demons grow in the dark if a woman can have a bad day and call her homegirl and have a soul-crushing, soul-bearing conversation, and it's considered normal. But if a guy has that same conversation, he's considered a, bu a, 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 a punk, a bitch, a simp. And now he's like, oh, man, I can't really talk about this shit because y'all gonna think I'm less of a man. So I'm going to pretend I don't have these real feelings and hold them in and pretend that I'm being logical. And extra points, if I can find a way to manipulate my emotions into seeming like logic. A lot of men who think they're rational are saying emotional shit pretending to be logical. And then they meet somebody like me. And I'm like, friend, you have more feelings than I do. What are you talking about, men irrational? You have a lot of feelings. And then that man is then feels upset by me saying that like, oh, Blue can tell how emotional I am. I can't let her see this. Nah, nah, nah. No, bro, you have more feelings than me because when I have a feeling, I can talk about it and crack a window and it's gone. You have about 40 years of feelings inside of you. You have more feelings than me. And mind you guys, you guys know how many guy friends I have. You see me walk into parties, six dudes with me. Literally, I walked into functions with six guys behind me. People are like, are you a, a madam? I've been called a madam before because I have so many guy friends. And the reason why I have so many guy friends is because I say, look, bruh. I need you to keep it a buck with me and I need you to know I'm not going to judge you unless you lie to me. The only shame is in lying. How do you feel? You look hurt. Let's talk about it. And there's nothing wrong with being hurt. There have been times where I've talked to my guy friends where I've said to them, so you know that story you just told me is hurtful, right? And they'd be like, what? I'd be like, that story you just told me. You're hiding under anger because anger is a blanket emotion. But objectively speaking, what just happened to you is hurtful. Can we just take a moment to admit that you just experienced something really hurtful and their eyes start to water. Because up until that moment, many of them don't even realize they're allowed to say that or think that or feel that. So yes, misogyny hurts men. It doesn't just hurt women, it hurts men because misogyny dehumanizes them. It cuts them off from the rest of us who are allowed to feel without being maligned. Does that make sense, guys? So when I'm talking about systems, I'm not attacking people. Talking about misogyny is not me attacking men. Talking about white supremacy is not me talking or maligning white people. I am attacking the systems that keep us all from being whole, fleshed out human beings. So yes, did what Darius do? Was that lame? It was lame as fuck, okay? It was lame as fuck. He is still a human being. He's just unsafe for her. And I hope our good sis figures out a way to keep herself safe. And I hope our brother Darius figures out a way to heal so that he can figure out how to co-parent and not pass this on to his son. That is my hope. So for all of you other cultural critics who've been saying, fuck that nigga, I just personally can't take that stance because that nigga's still a person. And niggas are people too, right? All right, I gotta go because my phone is glitching. I don't know how much of this is gonna save properly. Someone said, can you do a natal chart without the exact time of birth? No, you can't. If you do, it's compromised because um, the moon and the stars and shit move like every two hours. Uh, so for those of you who wanna do the work workshop, please look at the link uh, fall23.eventbrite.com. For those of you who want to book a reading, a session, a counseling session with me, you guys know I do this full time. Um, my link is in my bio, so I won't, I won't bother putting it on here. Just practice compassionate accountability hold that brother accountable but also remember he's somebody's beloved and somebody's father and if you hurt him you hurt them okay
I love y'all to pieces. I hope this reaches who it's supposed to because I just felt, I was really trying my hardest not to say anything because of all the personal conflicts and connections I have to them as a couple and all that. But I just, I couldn't not say anything. I was waiting for somebody else to say this and I didn't hear anybody else say it. So I had to say it. All right, I gotta go. Love y'all. Yes, I will be saving this. Share this with a friend. Even if the video is glitchy and acting a fool, tell them her Wi-Fi was acting funky, her phone was dying, but listen to the audio. Fuck what it looks like, okay? Love y'all. Bye. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Lessa Gaudet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.